0: Christian Parenting. Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Being aware of your own emotions and feelings and knowing that they're good and valid and right, but also knowing that somebody may and probably does have opposing feelings and opinions. And those are also valid and okay. And we can come together and appreciate each other's differences while empathizing with one another and then nurturing relationships in spite of and despite those differences.
0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. So glad you're here with me today. And I'm so excited to share today's guest with you. Oh my goodness, I had such fun and learned so much from today's guest. You are just listening to a short clip from Colleen Kessler, who is a mom to four and a super smart woman who I love because she is coming to us with a perspective of both personal experience and a professional background, which is super cool. So if you have a child who is differently wired, maybe gifted, maybe challenged in their learning, today's interview is going to be especially relevant to you. But regardless, no matter the age or stage or learning ability of your child, I think today you're going to learn something and find some practical application right away. Now, we are, drawing from Colleen's most recent book called Raising Resilient Sons. It's a boy mom's guide to building a strong, confident, and emotionally intelligent family, which I love all of those things. Um, But just so you know a little bit more about Colleen, she's the author of more than a dozen books for parents, teachers, and children. She's an award-winning educator, educational coach, and consultant, an international speaker, and passionate advocate for the needs of differently wired kids. You guys are going to love her. Also, listen to the very end because she has a really cool site actually for differently wired kids. This one's not even for parents, though there's a part of it for parents, but you want to hear about this. It's something I've never heard of before, and I think it's super cool. So of course, there will be links to everything we talk about in show notes, but um, I really hope you enjoy this. Kick off your shoes, sit back, grab a pen and paper maybe for this one, and I just hope you get a whole lot out of this interview with Colleen Kessler. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, Colleen, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Thank you, Monica, so much for having me here. It's so fun to finally get a chance to connect. It is so much fun. And we were introduced, I guess, by our mutual friend, a little shout out to Jamie Martin, who so I'm just, <laughs> she is. And I'm realizing I don't think she's been on the podcast yet. We've tried to make that happen, but we're going to have to. She's kind of like my my go to all things homeschooling. How How do you know, Jamie? What's your background there?
1: Well, Jamie and I have met through just different networks, and actually, mm-hmm. I started. Uh, I started writing. I wrote a guest post for her a few years ago on Simple Homeschool, mm-hmm. and then over the last year, I've been a regular contributor. So now I write awesome. uh, once every six or eight, mo- eight uh, six or eight weeks for her, and she and I are actually working on a top secret project together with another Ooh. friend right now.
0: Oh, now I'm curious. Okay, well, now that we know that much, why don't I have you officially introduce yourself? Tell everyone who you are, where you are, what you do. That sounds good. Um, Okay,
1: so I'm Colleen Kessler, and I am a gifted specialist and an educational consultant. I am the founder of the blog and podcast Raising Lifelong Learners, and I am a homeschool mom to four very chaotic and creative and differently wired kiddos. I started homeschooling gosh, 11 years ago now, because my oldest, who is now 18, just a little sigh for a second there. He just Mm -hmm. turned 18. He's a high school senior. He was very out of the box and didn't really fit in the school system. And after trying all the ways we typically know how to, to figure out what was wrong and how to keep him in the school system, we realized that actually it was not a good fit. It was better to just bring him home. And we have been homeschooling and learning more and more about giftedness and creativity and outside-the-box learning along with anxiety and all sorts of other things over the last 11 years. And so that is me in a nutshell. I am a gifted specialist by trade. Before I left wow. teaching, I I taught gifted and talented and I worked in the school system and I wrote books for teachers and parents and kids. And I actually left teaching originally to pursue writing full-time And to become a freelance writer. And then was, so I was already home when we realized that our kid also was gifted Mm -hmm. and was not fitting in, and we needed to homeschool him. So I didn't leave teaching to homeschool like a lot of people think. I left teaching, which you know God does mysterious things in our lives, but He prepared me to be home when it became apparent that that's where my kid needed to be too. Wow,
0: I love that story. So you started homeschooling him. Did you start homeschooling the other kids at the same time as well? And remind me the age of your other kids.
1: Yeah. So um, he is five and a half years older than my next mm. oldest. We had some okay. health issues in between the the first and mm-hmm. the second, and so. He was in first grade when we realized it just wasn't going to continue fitting. He had a a few challenges in kindergarten, but he had a really great kindergarten teacher who saw each of her children, each of her students as individuals and really did a lot to try to make school work. Um, His first grade teacher wasn't as strong. And we realized pretty quickly that without a strong teacher who was very flexible, Mm -hmm. he was not going to be successful. And so at the time... Um, like I said, we tried to keep them in school. We tried to figure out what we could do to keep them in school through all sorts of testing and stuff. And that was because I was freelance writing full time at home. I had a babysitter that was coming two to three days a week because I had a three year old and a nursing infant. And so I was not ready to be able to pull someone out and try homeschooling. And I mean, we ended up doing it and we were fine. But so I had three kids at the time of pulling him to homeschool and they were they were young. They weren't even in anything yet. And then we started then. So that would have been first grade, toddler, baby. And Mm. we now have four kids. So now, 11 years later, their ages are (laughs) 18, 13,
0: 11, and 8. Wow. You got your hands full. And would you describe your other kids as also being gifted, outside-the-box learners?
1: Yeah, they're definitely outside the box. They're definitely creative. And interestingly, and this is something that I learned in my studies, that Siblings tend to fall plus or minus 10 IQ points of one another. So if Mm. you have one gifted child, you typically have more than one gifted child, even if their intelligence or giftedness doesn't look the same as their siblings. Wow. So chances are, yes, they are all somewhere along the gifted spectrum. Now, Trevor, my oldest, is the only one we officially had identified because we went through all of those batteries of tests
0: Mm. since
1: he was in the school system now mm-hmm. since homeschooling allows us to individualize education and i have a background mm-hmm. i just kind of meet the kids where they are and move them forward individually so they're not officially identified though i would classify all of them somewhere on the gifted or twice exceptional kind of spectrum
0: wow, i love all these words twice exceptional <laughs> this is so interesting and i that what you said about iq is fascinating to me i had no idea Um, But now this just brings up a question as you're talking, what would you say as far as labels go? Do you think it's better to have kids tested to figure out what you're dealing with? Or do you feel like if you can homeschool them and meet them, like you said, where they're at, is that okay? What would be your advice to someone listening?
1: Yeah, I actually really believe that it's okay. I just based anecdotally, I, I can't give you tons and tons of research, but I can tell you in my experience, both as a gifted specialist in the school system and now a gifted specialist who has worked with hundreds and hundreds of homeschool parents around the country, parents know their kids. They, mm-hmm. Their gut is typically yeah. correct. And so when parents ask me this, which it's probably one of the most common questions I get when people find out what I do, you know, should I test or shouldn't I test? I always turn the question back with a question, you know, what are you looking to get by testing? Mm
0: -hmm. So, Mm -hmm.
1: if a student or a kid has the potential to go back to a school setting at any point, it's definitely valuable to test because giftedness is so underserved. There's a huge myth that is, you know, like they're gifted, they're super smart, they're going to be just fine. But the truth of the matter is, if we're looking just statistically, if we're looking at a bell curve, like the, the gifted IQ so you know average is right in the middle of that bell curve at the tippy top um and then the way that those those charts and stuff are analyzed are by something called standard deviations mm-hmm. and it's just basically steps away from average so sure. two steps on the the one side the left side of the bell curve is where we get into developmental delays disabilities and things like that so two standard deviations below average is where kids tend to really struggle really need intervention So the gifted cutoff is two standard deviations above average. Mm. So if we just look at the plotting, gifted kids are exactly the same amount of different wiring, that's really bad grammar, away from average as kids who statistically need intervention. So gifted kids actually need a ton of intervention um, because they think qualitatively differently. And so... If your kids are going to be in a school setting, even part-time, if there's going to be a need to advocate for them to get services, then it's valuable to get them tested. If you know you're going to homeschool, then there's nothing that an IQ test, which is really the the main identif- mm. identifier of giftedness, there's mm-hmm. nothing that that IQ score is going to open up for them. So you wouldn't have to go to the expense because it is expensive. It's not a standard test. Most people think that Most professionals who don't work within the world of giftedness think that it's not a necessary exam, so it's not usually covered. And so you're going to spend upwards of several thousand dollars to get a battery of, you know, testing done through a neuropsych. And so if you're not going to use it to advocate in a school setting, then it's not usually worthwhile. There's no college entrance exam that's going to ask for an IQ score or application, so, you don't have to worry about that, especially if you become a student of your kid and know what your kid is and isn't getting.
0: ok. This is all so fascinating. I just <laughs> learned so much. Thank you. that's That's just super interesting. And I just love that God prepared you by giving you such a background. And now, you know, you can parent your own kids so well and just love the topic of being a student of your kids. You know, we've recently talked about birth order and personality, and that's just stuff that to me makes parenting more interesting and more fun. But um, but I, I love that because like Heather McFadden and I talked about it. Little while back, no two of our kids are alike. I mean, even in a family with four kids, I'm sure you're gonna agree with me that no two are wired the same, so Absolutely. We have to learn about those kids. Well, what I love, um, I've been reading your recent book, Raising Resilient Sons, A Boy Mom's Guide to Building a Strong, Confident, and Emotionally Intelligent Family. Love this. And we're going to be linking to it in show notes. But I really love, even from the opening, how you talk about boys and just our world right now is going through a really weird time where we're trying to figure boys out and figure out how to approach them. Maybe speak into that a little bit before we get going. And I want to ask you a few more questions about this book. Yes, absolutely. This was such an interesting project. It was
1: really fun to kind of dive back. So my kids, I don't think I said this, I've got two boys and two girls and they're kind of bookends, which is really interesting. Mm. I've got boy, girl, girl, boy. So my boys are exactly a decade apart. They're 18 and eight right now. And so Mm -hmm. it's so interesting seeing what the kind of cultural biases against boys now compared to where it was 10 years ago. And, you know, raising a boy 10 years apart from, you know, from each raising boys 10 years apart from each other has been so interesting. And so I started originally on this project, just thinking about emotional intelligence for emotional intelligence for kids. And then as my editor and I were kind of hashing things out, we realized really the gap that's in the, the book world is that we don't focus on it for boys. We we think about emotions and building, you know, confidence and resiliency and um just empathy for girls. There's a mm-hmm. lot about growing girls confidence and their emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, but there's not a ton out there that specifically focuses on boys. And I mm-hmm. think one of the the reasons for that is right now that bias in our society is that um, boys aren't allowed to show mm-hmm. their emotion differently than yeah. girls. You know they're they're not yep. they're not supposed to be really strong because mm-hmm. that is perceived yep. as di- domineering, and they're not mm-hmm. supposed to be toxic. Yes, and yeah, it's, it's just different. I mean, God made boys and girls so that we have um, a balance, and I just hate that that our boys are being told that who they are made to be is wrong. And there really is the possibility there. It, it's possible to balance masculinity with empathy in the mm-hmm. way that God intended us to. And so while this isn't a Christian book, it's because it's, you know, a secular publisher. It mm-hmm. is very much based on my belief that mm-hmm. we have. Right these innate differences. And it's important to highlight those and really celebrate them and help our kids to become who they're supposed to be based on who they were created as.
0: Yes. Oh, that's so good. And I agree with you. I feel like so many people just almost are afraid to speak up on on valuing boys strength and and all those masculine qualities that God's given our boys because we're just afraid that we'll be put in that camp of you know the the toxic masculinity or something whereas there is such a beautiful balance in a, you know, godly young man of the strength and yet the gentleness and the thoughtfulness, all those things that you and I are raising our kids to be, and I think all listeners too. And so I, I love that you addressed this. You didn't shy away from just saying it like it is. So I love that. I love that science agrees with God. And, that, you know, <laughs> really, when we look at it, that's that's how God made boys uniquely, and yet we can uh, really encourage them to nurture the, those qualities that are so important, and, and that brings us to emotional intelligence, which I just love to talk about. And you address this so well in the book. So, what what is emotional intelligence?
1: So, emotional intelligence really is knowing what you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, and knowing that and understanding it. Really, kind of your your core that other people feel and interpret the world around them in their own personal way, just like you do, and being so cognizant of that, that you take into consideration in everything you do, both your own feelings and the feelings of others. So it's being aware of your own emotions and feelings and knowing that they're good and valid and right, but also knowing that somebody may and probably does have opposing feelings and opinions And those are also valid and okay. And we can come together and appreciate each other's differences while empathizing with one another and then nurturing relationships in spite of
0: and despite those differences and because Mm -hmm. of those differences really. Love that. So, is there a time that emotional intelligence becomes more relevant when we're raising our kids? Is there like an age? Maybe you can get practical for us mm-hmm. and talk to those moms out there with toddlers uh, going, you know, all the way up. When and how can we help our boys develop emotional intelligence? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: And I think that it starts in the beginning and it just evolves as you make kind of the Focus of emotions and the validity of them, a Mm -hmm. natural part of kind of your family environment. So Mm -hmm. your littlest ones, you know, I mean, even your babies, you're focusing on, they're focusing on your face. So, you know, make sure you're showing your emotions. And even, you know, people say all the time, right? Professionals say all the time, babies are taking everything in. So you talk to them like you would be talking to another, just any human being and, you know, not use baby talk. And you read to them from the beginning because they may not understand it, but they're absorbing all the words and your, your features and your, your tone. And so you're mm-hmm. doing that from the time that they're young. But then as they start to grow, as you figure out that they're, you know, more capable of understanding, you're going to start naming your feelings um and naming theirs, helping them put words to what they're feeling. So, you know, your toddler throws a block, you're not going to just yell, don't throw it, although you might, and it's okay. <laughs> sure. do, but yeah. really, what you want to do is identify that, wow, you look really mad. When we're mad, it's not very safe to throw a block maybe next time you can put the block down and you can like all your fists and say i'm mad mommy <laughs> and you know just help them yeah. put the words to the feelings and as they get a little bit older then you can say something wow i i can see that when he said that to you it hurt your feelings sometimes when my feelings are hurt they feel i feel like this kind of sick feeling in my tummy and are you feeling like that right now or do you feel mm-hmm. something else can you tell me what you're feeling so you're modeling putting words to the the feelings both the physical and the emotional feelings and then asking them to either say yeah my tummy hurts too or mm-hmm. no my head hurts when that happens and so you're mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to to hear what you're saying and then model it back and as they get older you just keep growing that you know with my teen going to say, wow, you look really upset. What happened? Did you have a conversation with your friend? I can tell you don't want to talk to me about it right now. That's okay. Do you want to just go get some ice cream and sit down and we can just go watch a movie together? You know, Letting everybody know at the age appropriate level, feelings are valid, emotions are okay, and you're there if and when they're ready to talk about it. And since you've been giving them the words all along, they'll eventually have those words back for you.
0: Oh, that is so good. That's that's really helpful. I I think that I had a mentor kind of teach me this in in a real basic way early on, and so I used to when my boys were young, and they were you know showing this some kind of emotional outburst, I would try to offer them a couple options like, okay, are you are you feeling jealous because your brother got something you didn't? are you mad? Like I would throw out just a few different words for them to choose from. And sometimes my husband would be like, you're leading them on. You're like <laughs> telling them what they're feeling. I'm like, no, no, I'm giving them three options. But, you know, I, I could guess that I was pretty close. And so I felt like that helped them say, yeah, actually – I'm jealous. Like why can't I go do that thing that my brother got to do? And so uh, I I love that that's what you're suggesting. I was I was on to something there and I have seen how that's played out just like you said. Sometimes they're not willing or ready to talk about it at the time, but I think the more we offer those uh that vocabulary and keep that an open conversation, the more likely they're going to get, you know, be willing to come to you and talk when it's time, when they're ready. Oh, I love that so much. And I love, I noted here in my notes along these lines, just the way you use um, such simple terms when you're talking to kids and even in the book, but kind of the brain terms that you use, mental muscle, um, the brain wiring, that's just stuff that kids are going to understand, right? And you want... Fill us in a little bit more about that. Yeah. And that really goes back to that
1: idea of kind of growing with your kiddo with the conversations and the words that you use. When so in my work as a gifted specialist, I'm I'm not telling kids that I work with necessarily when they're like in kindergarten, you're gifted. I'm telling them they think differently than others. And sometimes when we think differently, our brain needs different challenges. And so it's the same thing when we're dealing with emotions, right? Your um, your brain, I think the the, the muscle one, if I'm remembering, it, that comes when I'm talking about kind of growth mindset and you know, mm-hmm. growing that empathy. And so I talk about, you know, your mental muscle, your brain, your brain grows and moves just like your muscles do when you exercise. And so by teaching yourself that everything is a step, a learning step, you know, you can grow that muscle and you can. You can build your stamina, you can build your listening skills by just actively listening a little bit more. And when we talk about it in common terms, we don't need to bring in the idea of, you know, um the the hormone, the stress hormones are are bursting mm-hmm. through you. And yes. this is what they're called. Though you can, I mean you can say like, hey, when I get really when when we get really afraid, our body releases um a hormone it's like a rush inside of us that makes our brains either want to flee or fight or freeze and so when we feel that way we can recognize that, ooh, our body isn't sure about what's happening, and so this is why I'm just kind of standing here not knowing what to do. And so maybe later I can think about what I would have done in that situation. It, it makes it more approachable for kids, and so it gives them the the buildup of the vocabulary that they can then draw from as they get older.
0: Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. I just want to pause real quick here to, first of all, thank you again for your ratings and reviews. They always encourage me so much. I'm going to share a recent review from Caroline She titled it, Highlight of My Week, gave me five stars. Thanks so much. And this is what she says, I have four boys under five, God bless you, and life can be so fun. And wonderful and also so overwhelming. Anytime I'm feeling stressed or unsure, Monica's words of wisdom and the guests she chooses to interview lift my spirits and bring me to a place of excitement and motivation to be the best boy mom I can be. I look forward to hearing from her. And when I get a notification that she has a new episode, I find myself saying a silent yes. She's a kind soul and wonderful mother with so much to share and her boys are seemingly living proof that she got motherhood right. If you're a boy mom, you need to listen. Wow, Caroline, that's really encouraging. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who take time to just leave those stars or a few words about what you love about this podcast. And here's the thing, friends. Carol Lane is just one of the thousands of moms and dads who are being blessed every month through this Boy Mom Podcast. And did you know that this show is brought to you in part by our friends over at ChristianParenting.org? Well, the Boy Mom Podcast is part of the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, which is reaching over a half million moms and dads with trusted biblical guidance every month. Besides producing podcasts like mine... Christian Parenting also develops books, workbooks, prayer journals, and other practical tools to help parents like you become the perfectly imperfect parents God created you to be. And now today, I want to invite you to support this mission of creating more perfectly imperfect parents by giving a donation. And you can do that by texting Give to the number 474747, again, that's CP as in Christian Parenting, GIVE, to 474747. Now, you can also give by visiting cpgive.org, and every dollar you give reaches one more parent with trusted biblical guidance. So please give generously. And here's the fun thing. When you give, you will be entered in a drawing to win the Perfectly Imperfect Parenting Bundle, which is full of great parenting resources like there's some identity cards that encourage your kids about who they are in Christ. There is the Marked by Prayer Prayer Journal, a $100 Amazon gift card. I think there's also a copy of Boy Mom in there. So definitely you want to enter to win this awesome bundle. Just keep in mind Christian parenting is 100% donor funded and relies on listeners like you to support the future creation of parenting resources. So if you've been impacted by this podcast, please consider making a donation to Christian Parenting, and you can do it by texting the words Give to the numbers 474747. You can also give by visiting cpgive.org. And just thank you so much for your support, and we're going to get back to today's interview. I I really appreciate that and I think I was feeling just affirmed a little bit too where you talk about strong mothering and you you did talk about how you it's okay to share our own emotions and our own feelings um because I'm that's just kind of how I am as a mom like I don't hide from my kids You know, of course, I try to keep it age appropriate and all that, but I've even talked to my boys about PMS. I've been like, Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry about last night in their teenage years because I'm thinking, hey, someday they're going to be married, and if they're caught totally off guard by some girl who's got, you know, some emotional outburst before that time of the month. I'm like, might as well kind of let them know what's going on and and hey, you know, you're going you've gone through puberty, you know what happens when you know you have some mood swings. Well, sometimes women we st- you know, so I just kind of say it real plainly, not in a way that weirds them out too much. Well, yeah, it weirds them out a little <laughs> bit. But I just love that you really give us permission or tell moms that we can uh, let them see us as people and show some emotion and yeah own it. try not to get crazy or anything but but I appreciate that because that's kind of how I've always been. <laughs> yeah that's so funny. my my teen and I had that conversation last night
1: because uh, we were talking about, about me and my mood swings and his teen sister and her mood swings. And mm-hmm. he's like, that's, I said, you know, I'm sorry for, I don't know, something that I was losing my temper in a game earlier this week. And I said, and just, I've just been hormonal. And he's like, well, that's on you. And I'm like, well, actually it's on me, but it's also on you because you need to recognize that sometimes mm-hmm. women can't yeah. really control it in the moment and yep. it's not personal. And you have to accept the apology when it comes because, We don't always have control over our emotions in that moment in certain hormonal rushes. And so while, yes, ultimately it is on me, which is why I'm apologizing, but it's on you to be understanding and forgiving as well because it's just how I was made, unfortunately.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, and, and that's good. You have, a, you know, daughters in the house as well. And maybe that helps for sake of conversation, but I think it's just so important that our boys hear these things. So I, I love that. I, I feel kind of, you know, I'm outnumbered by my four sons and my <laughs> husband. And of course, sometimes I'll bring it up and be like, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, or I have cramps even and my son's like, mom, stop. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> you can handle this. You really can. So, oh, I love that. Okay. Well, um, there's so many other great topics. Let's let's touch a little bit on your section about letting go because listeners don't want to hear about letting go, but we need to hear about letting go. So, can you dive into that topic a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, and it's so funny because we think about that in you know, as we're, we're sending our kids off, you know, to college or jobs or whatever, but really we have to start letting go even from the beginning. As our kids are growing, there's a scaffolding that happens, right, from a developmental standpoint. And so everything is about letting our kids go kind of slowly and incrementally throughout their entire childhood so that when they're adults, nothing's abrupt. We're not mm-hmm. kicking our 18-year-old out, you know, to the curb. We've been slowly giving them more and more autonomy along the way. And, you know, they they start to own more and more and more of it as they feel ready when we're validating their emotions and feelings and worries and plans and all of that. And again, it comes back to the same thing that we've already said, you know, knowing your child being there for them, studying them, and then validating emotions constantly and modeling it back to them so that there is no abrupt just letting go. And while, yeah, it's bittersweet as they become adults, it's also really exciting because you get a chance to see the men that they've become. You know, we're not raising kids, we're raising right. men, we're, ma- yep. we're raising women if we have girls mm-hmm. too. And it's, I, I try and I'm not always great about it, especially with my baby, my eight-year-old, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's it's hard to forget that they're babies and they're there mm-hmm. to cuddle with oh, you on yeah. the couch and think of them as men and women. But the truth of the matter is they're gonna spend the majority of their lives as men or women. And we want them to be men and women of honor. We want them to be, you know, gracious and empathetic and loving and kind. And ultimately, we want them to come back. We want them to want to be with us and so nurturing those relationships allows us to build them and their strength but also to make letting go a natural part of our bringing up of them so in in the sections that i talk about that you know it it comes kind of it builds my hope with the book and i hope that this is kind of what i achieved moms are busy and i just wanted it to feel like a conversation like we're sitting and having coffee together so you could pick it up and put it down and it's not it's going to give you something quick and actionable every time, but it's mm-hmm. also going to feel like you're having a conversation with a friend. So yes. it's not a hard read.
0: Yes. Um, you're, I'll just say right there that you're very smart and well-researched, but that's what I love about the book is you don't you don't talk down to us. <laughs> you don't use too big of words. I feel like it, you are a friend and you're just really encouraging us as, as we go. So I had to okay. throw that in there. I'm so glad because that's exactly what I
1: wanted. So, okay, so before we started recording, you mentioned a story, and it's in the section of letting go, and it's kind of like the the core of it all. But you know, trusting your kids. And so, um, what Monica and I were talking about was that there's a story in the book, an anecdote about my son. So, my oldest is um, is 18, and chronologically, he would be a senior in high school. So, as I mentioned before, we pulled him out of out of traditional school to homeschool him because after a battery of tests and psychologists and trials of medication and all sorts of stuff that in retrospect, I wish I hadn't done, but that's a whole nother episode. Um, He, we found that he's profoundly gifted, which is so funny because that's like, a perfect case of the shoemaker's kids going shoeless. Mm -hmm, I have a master's mm -hmm, degree mm -hmm. in gifted yeah, and I had pathologized him (laughs) out the yin-yang. Like I was convinced he had oppositional (sighs) compliance disorder and ADHD, but no, he's profoundly gifted. I'm married to a
0: doctor, so I get that.
1: (laughs) It's so true. So he's very, very, very smart, but he's also extremely impulsive. He always has been um i will say always up until like about the last year and a half he's been um maturity wise way younger so in gifted speak we call this asynchronous it just means gifted kids tend to be many ages at once so while you could talk to them like they're a little professor because their brain is like click click clicking along with facts they're throwing mulch on the playground like the 6 year olds mm-hmm. when they're 12 yep. or you know whatever so this was always him and he was anxious to boot and so mm as we've been you know growing him we just kept throwing content at him you know when he could when he could handle it and letting it go when he couldn't because he was always kind of ahead and as i was sitting down with him oh gosh it was a little bit over a year ago maybe a year and a half ago we were trying to figure out what to do because if i had to write a transcript right then and there he would have already finished all of his high school stuff um and so this this um little anecdotes in two parts, the part that's in the book and a part that's not. And so I said, you know, I could graduate you right now and you could just go take community college classes or you could work on, he is developing a freelance uh, business that focuses on podcast audio editing, as well as video editing. And he's actually ventured into some video shooting and has uh, taken video for some online course creators. So he's very, very well Um, talented in a lot of different areas. And I said, you know, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to do any of that. You can just graduate and start really diving deeply into your business Mm -hmm. and then maybe getting like um, a part-time job at the Apple store or something so you can Mm -hmm. get out and meet other people. And he said to me, "Um, I don't want to graduate early. And it's like, okay, well, why? And he said, and this is the kid who I, I despaired so many times over. Like, he is never going to be mature. He's never going to care about anybody but himself. And he said, um, Sidney and Liam, his two cousins who are a year older than him, they graduate this year. And they have gone through a regular high school and a regular junior high and a regular elementary school. And high school graduation is everything to kids who go through. The school system, and they've already endured a pandemic, and their their high school senior year has been destroyed. He's like, I don't want to be their homeschool cousin who graduates a year early on their year, and takes away from yeah. He did what, and so incredible. He's a senior this year because he wants Mm, to graduate on time. And <laughs> yeah, that's what, I mean, I was just, I admit I was a little bit teary and yeah. um, it, it was just, you know, you have these little moments that show you the men that they're becoming and they sneak up on you. And so we talked like, well, what do you want to do? Because I'm not going to just give you another class, but I still have yeah. to do something with you if you're home yeah. homeschooling. Totally. So he was going to take a co-op class and he was going to take an online class just for fun. And then he was going to work on his business. And so this was right before the shutdowns, with the pan- when the pandemic started. He was so I speak um, at different homeschool conventions and other conferences and conventions too. But I I go on the circuit with um, the great homeschool conventions. They have seven events in different um, cities. And so we were in Fort Worth, and as soon as my kids were old enough to travel with me. And not have to have me like have be in their pockets or have them in my pockets the whole time. I started taking mm-hmm. them. So my two oldest have been with me the last couple of years. My eleven year old's going on her first one alone this year, um, but Trevor's been to the majority of them, and he just he helps out in the booth and he wanders around. People know him. I mean, in some cases, even better than they know me because he <laughs> just wanders the yep. exhibit hall. Yeah. So we were in the Fort Worth Convention Center and. He kept going over to this one college booth because they had a VR headset and he was playing with it and he was talking to the guy (laughs) that was there. And uh, everything shut down and we had to go back home abruptly as, you know, the world closed. But um, he had, uh, right before we left, um, the guy who was in the booth came over to me and he's like, you know, I want to talk to you about your son because he knows a lot about virtual reality and programming and computers. And I think it would benefit him to have a computer science degree. And he and I were kind of talking about it. And the program is, it works based off the CLEP system. So the first three years of college, you're basically um, earning credits by examination. So you don't have to go to all the fluff and sit through lectures that aren't applicable to your your degree. And then the last year, you enroll in um, a, a program through Thomas Edison State University in New Jersey, and you get your degree from TESU but you work with them throughout it. So anyway, he said, um I'd actually like to offer him an internship if he's interested and then he can he can get a degree in computer science while he's doing this internship. And then we had to leave and we never talked. So he brought it up about a month later, um Trevor did and he's like, "You know, I think I want to do that for my senior year. I want to get my first year of college done and I think that it'll be fun, it'll be interesting. I can do the internship, I can keep my business growing and it will allow me to do more if I mm-hmm. if I you know decide that I want to go somewhere having a degree will be helpful. Sure. And like, and if not, it'll just be fun. So wow. by trusting our kids and asking mm-hmm. them yeah. along yeah. the way what they're interested in, they will tell you as mm-hmm. they grow and mature. And so mm-hmm. letting go looks like just talking to mm-hmm. them a yeah. lot. And uh, so yeah, in, uh, yes. Yeah. In Couldn't this particular case, it just ended up being that he is now a high school senior working on his first year of college and growing his freelance business. So
0: it's been fun. Okay. That is so cool. And I just think as you're telling that story, how easy it is for us as parents to dive in and be like, okay, no, we're going to actually, we're going to do this and you're going to do, you know, really to think we have to figure out their future for them. But for you to be able to stand back, that conversation happened without you even being there. And just how beautiful to, to let it play out naturally and trust that those conversations you've had over time and his growing in emotional intelligence and all the rest work together. That letting go thing, it really does work if we can be patient and trust trust the process. I love that story so much. Wow. Well, good for him. I can't wait to see what he ends up doing. Yeah, it'll
1: be interesting.
0: (laughs) It will be, but you've done such a great job. And I think that's, you know, if there's any message from that for the moms listening, it's wherever your child, you know, lands on that bell curve to... To just love them right where they're at, mm-hmm. and to continue to parent them, you don't have to figure it out when they're young. You don't have to jump ahead ten years. Or we we all have that way of, you know, forecasting. I know mm-hmm. when my boys were very young, it would be like, oh, what would this look like when they're adults? And we need to refrain from that. Um, but to continue those conversations, and I know for me that comes natural. I'm just a talker by nature. But I think if if you can really open up those conversations with your kids, it's going to pay off in the, in the long haul. Well, I love all of this. There's many more notes. My book is marked up quite a bit. Um, I, I love how you talk about play, talk about family rituals. There's a whole lot. So we're going to just link to your book and encourage listeners to get it. If your child is gifted or, you know, differently wired, but I think all of our kids are unique in one way or another. I know I found things that applied to all four of my boys in this book. So it's not just for specially wired kids. Um, If you want to raise a resilient son, then this book is for you, right? (laughs) Absolutely. It's for everybody. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Well, before we wrap up then, if someone wants to just kind of find you, track you down right now, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. The easiest place to find me is RaisingLifelongLearners.com. At that site, you'll find everything about my communities and my podcast and the site, and then my social media is on there too. Um, The place on social media I'm most active is Instagram just because it's fun and visual. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm Colleen Kessler on Instagram.
0: Awesome. And you do have, uh, is it a membership community? Mm -hmm. And what what is that called? Just so people can ponder that too.
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, it's newly launched. Well, it's this is the fifth month, and it's been really wonderful. It's called the Learners Lab, and you can find that right on the site as well. But it is a membership community for kids, um, and then there's an upgrade that parents can join that gives them master classes on the social and emotional topics that we're covering in in the membership. So the kids are focusing on a social and emotional concept each month, and they actually get to earn uh, badges that get mailed to them. There are little dog tags and a chain what? that... They so get to, cool. yeah, they get to earn by completing these, um, challenges in like confidence. This month we're working on self-care. We've worked on resiliency
0: and worry. Okay. This is so cool. And so the, the membership site is actually for the students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah oh, and actually,
1: and- We're moving over to a new platform this month. So by next month we'll be over there. And so the kids are actually going to have groups within it. Think Facebook groups, but it's not on Facebook. Uh-huh. And so the kids, um, there's a tween group where kids like nine to 12 can go in and they can. Share pictures, things that they're working on, um, chat like you do in a Facebook group. There's a teen one. There's one just for moms. And then um, there's a place to chat and share what you're doing in the social and emotional lab part, the EQ challenge. And then um, just for fun and because uh, kids love creativity, once a month I teach a live class to the kids. And that's like webinar style where they're like seeing me talk to them through the chat and stuff. Um, They see me on screen and then they can communicate in the chat. And we do a, a creative thinking lesson and activity that's really fun for all ages.
0: Oh my goodness! This is so neat and so unique from anything I've ever heard of. Mm. I just I think there's going to be a lot of people interested in checking that out. So so. yeah, I'll I'll link to that for sure. Well, Colleen, so much fun to talk to you. I've learned a lot myself, and um, I'm sure there's more topics we could chat about. So we'll try to have you back on again. Yeah, anytime. That would be a lot of fun. Okay. Take care. Aloha. All right, guys, hope you were encouraged and learned a lot through that conversation. And I will have all those links, different things we talked about, her book, her membership site, where you can follow Colleen all over in show notes. So go on over to monicaswanson.com. Forward slash podcast, and you can grab all those links. And now as we close out this episode, I just want to thank you again for all of your support and to remind you that today we are talking about the Christian Parenting Podcast Network, which produces this show and so many other great podcasts, as well as puts together so many amazing parenting resources for people like you. And we are asking today if you would consider giving a donation, and you can do it so easily by Texting the word CP give, that's as in Christian parenting, CP give to the number. 474747. Again, Give to 474747. And you can also visit cpgive.org. And the fun thing is, is today when you give, you're going to be entered in a drawing to win the Perfectly Imperfect Parenting Bundle, which is full of a whole bunch of different parenting resources that I know you're going to love. So this is a good time to give, be entered to win the drawing. And um, again, just appreciate so much what Christian Parenting has done to support my podcast. And this is a way you can support me by donating to Christian Parenting. All right, friends. So on behalf of the team at Christian Parenting and from me and my family, I want to thank you. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. We've got a great episode coming up next week. So tell your friends, come back for more and until next time, aloha.